This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available. But if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at LoveSportRadio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit LoveSportRadio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword LoveSport. It took them more than 30 years, but Chelsea have finally succumbed to a league double of defeats to Manchester United. A couple of headers either side of half-time banished the Blues to a seventh home loss in all competitions this season. But for a toenail here and a Brazilian-based bump there, the story could well have been different. We're going to be getting into the nitty-gritty of that one. We're going to be talking Kante, Kepa and the Batman's Blues in front of goal. We're also going to be looking to the humongous game with Spurs tomorrow lunchtime as well on this, the Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with you through to 8pm, joined by the boys from the Chelsea Fancast. Dan Silver, hello. Hello, good evening. Good evening, Clayton Beerman. Hello. Hello. Good evening to you too, my friend. Boys, let's start with Manchester United, shall we? What a way to start. Seven defeats in all competitions, seven defeats at home in all competitions this season. The first time since, drumroll please, 1994-95. It has been quite a while. That's a long time. Hell of a long time. Yeah, 
happened to Glenn Hoddle, wasn't it? We had an awful run. And then I think we signed Mark Steed, didn't we? And won one nil against Aston Villa at Christmas time, and then turned it round. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Home yeah. is not is not, not a happy place at the moment. Not the fortress it was for eighty five games. Yeah. Well, we can't fluff it up. Let's not, you know, we can't we can't be all positive. Some fan shows like to be hugely positive on this, and that's great. Sometimes I like it, but sometimes you have to get into the nitty-gritty of it, and we could look at a whole host of reasons, the first of which was VAR, wasn't it? Because I don't agree with Olivier Giroud's goal being offside. It is what it is. It's offside. I know that Gary Neville was waffling on about he doesn't understand the scandal of offside. That's another issue altogether. Mm. I suppose we won't go into it too much because we've done it pretty much on every other show since this show started here on Friday evenings, 7pm on Love Sport. But VAR to play? <laughs> but, I mean, it's offside, you know, toenail, whatever. But then, you know, with the uh, Zuma goal, you know, it's a push and a push and a push. Is that well, how far do they go back? You know, if they stopped it as Aspilicueta pushed the United defender, then it's a foul. But what about Fred pushing Aspi into the defender? I mean, it's it's it's, it's mad. It's just it loses. I saw on Twitter, you just lose a passion because you think, oh, we scored. But I was going just wait a second because you know, get the VAR check and the organic pleasure you get of scoring a goal is being you know yeah. sucked out the game no I, I completely agree I, I'm social media afterwards and, and there were a lot of people myself included who who just discussed the, the whole joy being sucked out of the game and as you say it's all about scoring goals and you score two goals you celebrate two goals <laughs> and they're both taken away I mean I left early for the first time in I, I can't remember I literally cannot remember the last time I walked out with about 10 minutes to go I was so fed up with it not in not, response to VAR or the performance everything not no, the, I, we, we weren't bad we weren't bad that night I mean you can't blame VAR for missing a sitter on the six yard line you know um, you can blame VAR because the person who scored the second goal should have been sent off Um it, the, the problem with VAR is it's neither one thing nor the other. Um, and I think it has to decide w- what it is. At the moment, it's re-refereeing, which it's not what it's there for. It's there for clear and obvious mistakes. Anthony Taylor missed somebody assaulting somebody else, so that is a clear and obvious error. But the two people, I'll use that word loosely, um, back at Stockley Park didn't consider... It was a sending off offence. They they thought it was accidental. Uh, assaulting. Well, that's a little bit strong, isn't it? Clint? Well, if you kick somebody in the nether regions, I think you've assaulted them. Te- yeah, oh, it's consistency because Hummin Song got sent off for pretty much the same thing against Rudiger early in the season. So I, I don't see any disparity between those two tackles. You know, his foot was raised. He didn't. It wasn't aggressive. The the, the kick, thing, but the, it was a kick. The thing is, with the one on Monday. Was, I would argue it was worse than what Son did. I think Son's... I mean, they were both deliberate acts. But in some respects, Maguire made more contacts than Son yeah. did. I mean, Rudiger was like a dying swan. Yeah, I mean, that's a... You know, that, that was, that was a bit, a bit embarrassing. But, but uh, you know, we digress. The bottom line is VAR is fine if it's consistent and it's the same the whole way through. It can't be because it's currently being run by current referees. I've said this and I don't I you know it might take a generation. We can't have the current referees judging the existing referees. You either train separate referees who are not pitch referees, they're VAR referees, or you get an ex-referees and ex-pros who've got no axe to grind. If your mate makes a mistake in their job, you're going to basically 
try and cover up for them as long as it doesn't harm you you're going to help if you're any sort of a decent person you're going to you're going to yeah. try and help your mate if they've stuffed up yeah, yeah definitely. so somebody makes a howling error and you're their mate or your work colleague you're not going to hang them out to dry and and i think that's the consistency in var is that the, the guys back at stockley park are not hanging out their colleagues Okay, well, I'm kind of with you on some of those points, I suppose. We don't really have to dwell on it. It is over now. I think that I don't personally, I don't, and I think I'm actually in the minority here on Harry Maguire's challenge. I didn't think it was worse than Human Sons. I thought Sons was more premeditated because he had time to act, and it, Son really thrusted a leg onto mm-hmm. Rudiger. What reaction Rudiger gave is n- neither here nor there in this particular debate. I thought that Harry Maguire. When you slow it down, yes, it looks really bad. And when you look at the reaction from the Chelsea bench as well, they were straight up saying, referee, for crying out loud, he just kicked him, like you said, in the nether regions. I do think that he was moving at speed and saw uh, Batshuayi coming towards him and just put his leg out. Did he intend to hurt him? I don't know. I I didn't think it was malicious as what everybody's making out. I don't think that Harry Maguire is a particularly malicious player. He doesn't really have a history. He's not that kind of player. He's not that kind (laughs) of guy. Only Harry Maguire knows if it was malicious or not. And it's yeah, true. The smirk afterwards told a thousand tales. Do you think? But I thought he was almost laughing at the bench as if to say, "Crikey, that that was a bit Mm. of of a mess up." But I wasn't intending to actually hurt him. But the, the bottom line is, Matt, as I said, VAR and Harry Maguire they didn't cause our defeat basically not having anybody to put the ball in the back of the net if you would have been one or two nil down at half time different story Mm. well it is just one win in six league games now for Chelsea every time I've been on the radio this week and I've mentioned the Chelsea fan show I've been asked oh Frank under pressure is he going to feel the heat now? Surely, gents, we can't even be beginning to question. And I know that we speak about this quite a lot on the show, but it's a topic that continually crops up, or it has l- at least cropped up because of the, the recent run of results. But mm. is he feeling the heat, Frank? It's the Chelsea Football Club. We don't know what's going on from above. I mean, <clears throat> I want to throw something out there. You know, people may be confusing Frank the player and Frank the manager, because mm-hmm. Frank the manager is only 75 games into management, and he's still got a lot to learn. We've got a very young and experienced squad. We've overachieved. I think that seven-game winning run early in the season did paper up a few cracks and maybe give us all a full sense of optimism. It's, will the club you know, stick, give him some time, give him a window to bring in some players and then judge him from next season? Because right now, I think he's you know, to be fourth, albeit by one point, to be in the Champions League, to be in the FA Cup, still at this point. You know, I've had this point loads of times. Just anybody in August, would they accept that? Bit your hand off. Go on. I, t- I Listen, I, I think you got the two wrong people to ask that question about Frank being under pressure. I don't think he's under pressure. I think he has put... I think he himself will put pressure on himself to do better. Um, I think there's, there's a frustration which is... Like, spills over from the um, transfer window. Um, I think he was frustrated, but I don't think he was frustrated with the board. I think he was frustrated that we couldn't get the players in. Um and I just think that there is a general frustration because he knows that we're doing lots of things right and we're getting punished. I do actually think, and I said this on Monday night, that at the moment he doesn't appear to be a particularly lucky manager. Mm. I think if you look at the injuries we've had this season, and everybody gets injuries, I know that, um, we had a, a very unfortunate VAR decision at home to Liverpool. 
which changed a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I was very surprised. I heard this week, it might have even been on this station or maybe another station, that the team that's actually suffered the most from VAR is Spurs. It's not us. I thought it was going to be us, but it's Spurs. But I don't I don't think we've had the rub of the green this year on, on lots of things. Um, okay, you make your own luck. But going back to your original question, I, I would be surprised if Frank was, was under any pressure other than self-induced to be honest with you he's, he's a born winner and you can he, he's Chelsea through and through and he, you see the frustration after results he comes out he's exceptionally eloquent he doesn't he, he politely doesn't pull any punches he says how it is that you know we're, you know, we're, we're doing some good things but also doing some things very badly and we're not seem to know our mistakes what then gents about team selection because two players two positions in particular both at opposite ends of the pitch you've got Willie Caballero in again for his second Premier League outing this season Clayton Beerman a big goalkeeper fan a big advocate for Kepper is shaking his head in disbelief but Willie was kept in by Frank Lampard after a winter break where you'd like to think that maybe Kepper would have learned his lesson maybe he hasn't maybe behind the scenes you know we cannot underestimate the relationship between Frank Lampard and Petr Cech having an influence here so we've got Kepper and Caballero at one end and at the opposite end we know that Tammy Abraham is out with injury we've got Olivier Giroud in the squad. and Michy Bashwai no, Tammy's actually in the squad he's been past fit Right, but in oh, the build- so on Monday, sorry, apologies. Oh, Monday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In- I mean, listen, neither are, are good enough. I mean, Mishy's had so many chances. He just doesn't, he's he's an instinctive finish that. So if he's got to think about it, he's he can't do anything. And Giroud, you know, when he played against Burnley, he, he was awful. He just looked like he was running in treacle. So he hasn't necessarily got the chance, but when he has had the chance, he's just been. He was dreadful that Burnley game, wasn't he? Just ponderous yeah, and slow. I, I, and... I think the last time he was selected, um, he he was awful, and everybody groaned and said never again. And yet now everybody's calling for him to play. And when he came on, with twenty minutes to go, he looked very sharp. He was doing all the things that Mitchy wasn't doing. I feel quite sorry for Mitchy because I actually think that. You know, I, I'm not a professional footballer. Um, I know it's hard to tell from looking at me. But the, but the point is, I would perceive that the majority of footballers thrive from playing. And he's been on the bench for the whole season. And I think for people to expect him to come in and just slot in and be up with the pace, I think it's incredibly unfair. Now, whether he's good enough or not, I mean, he's not proving himself. He's now getting the opportunity, whether Frank picks him again tomorrow... We'll have to wait and see. Um, but the bottom line is he should have scored on Monday night. That's what that's his job. That's what he's there to do. I'm not surprised he didn't uh, score. He had another chance towards the end of the first half when he sort of was put through by Pedro and he cut in. And you could tell, you know, there, there was no way he was going to score. You could see his whole body language. He's got no confidence at the moment. And... It's interesting because in previous seasons, he, he you could argue he's had the same thing. He's been on the bench, but when he's come in, he's looked sharp mm. and he's scored. And he is one of those strikers who scores one every three chances. But I've never seen this before because one of the things I liked about him was when he did miss the obvious chance, he'd then go again. Ajax away being the perfect example. He missed a, a really easy mm. chance, but then scored the winner. I think it's... Uh, I think it's a shame. I, I I don't know what the answer is, to be perfectly honest. I have to say, when you talk about team selection before the game on... Um, I didn't know about the injuries to Callum and Tammy. But before the game on, on Monday night, I, my shoulders just sagged. I thought, what are you doing? It was 
Interesting to say the least. And you mentioned Olivier Giroud, of course, he came off the bench and put in a decent performance. We're going to get onto Kepa in a moment or two, Clayton. But I do think, and I want to say with regards to strikers, it is difficult to just come in and hit the ground running because the likes of Michy, the likes of Giroud as well, you've literally got to make that impression straight away. And the pressure on Michy Batshuayi to, to produce the goods for Chelsea is quite high. And I know we can say, listen, he's a what £35 million striker that, that should be able to do that who's played on the international stage, of course, the world stage. But I've always thought that both he and Olivier Giroud, even at his time at Arsenal, was mismanaged because I think the problem with the likes of Giroud is that he needs to know that he's going to be playing, I think, to perform. And what Lampard maybe should have done and what should have been done last season as well under Sarri was to say to Giroud, right, here you go, you are going to have a run of games. You don't have to worry about being on the bench. You are definitely going to play the next 15 games, for example, go and show me what you can do. And then you've got a player who perhaps the shackles are off slightly because he thinks, right, I'm in the starting lineup, I've got a good run at this. And then if he doesn't produce, you go, well, look, you didn't produce, you're either out or you're off the bench or you're on the bench, back on the bench. And I just think in the case of Giroud and Batshuayi, it's a constant case of, right, if Tammy's not out, then okay, you might get a run. But neither of you really know what's going on. And as we're seeing, it's been pretty fruitless thus far. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is because I think with Giroud he was told that he could go if we get somebody in so i think he's he's known that or he has perceived that he was leaving since the start of the season yeah. when tammy was picked ahead of him michi i think has made it clear that he really wants to give it a go and he loves being at chelsea etc but if you're not playing you're not going to be able to prove yourself and and you're quite right i think it, it, it's uh, nobody can can possibly perceive the amount of pressure that you're on when you get your chance all of a sudden you get your chance and whatever i mean tammy i think frank said today 70% fit so i don't yeah. think he'll start tomorrow uh but i think he'll start with giroud and then everybody get frustrated when he's not doing it. i mean giroud when he played with hazard or you know was was superb his interplay I think that they, you know, Frank did something different away to Tottenham. Maybe he'll play with two mm. up front. Maybe he'll confuse him. Rhys James banging some crosses for Giroud's yeah. head. You know, you've got to think maybe, maybe a slightly different you know, yeah. tactics might work. You like the narrative there, of course. Giroud scoring against Spurs. We did say we we're going to get onto Kepper. We're going to bring him up next, Clayton. So don't you worry. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into Kante too. Out for three weeks. And you mentioned Tammy Abraham in the squad. Ruben Loftus-Cheek also in that squad for the visit of Tottenham. We're getting onto that next. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. It is the Chelsea Fan Show. It's me, Matt Beadle, with the boys from the Chelsea Fancast, Dan Silver and Clayton Beerman, taking you through to 8pm when the Leeds boys come into the house. Now, gents, I said we were going to talk about Kepper and Clayton. I kind of feel like I'm going to give you the floor because you saw... You're giving me a long run-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we saw Willie Caballero come in, didn't we, in that game against Leicester before the winter break. That was the first day after the January transfer window had closed. Perhaps... That was a statement being made by Frank Lampard there. Willie came in, the oldest player to play in the Premier League so far this season. He conceded two against Leicester. One of them he made an error for. You could argue that second goal scored by Ben Chilwell. He's conceded another two against Manchester United. Again, not really at fault for either goal. But what now? You've had the two-week winter break, of course. Kepper, you would have thought, maybe could have learned his lesson. But quite clearly, Frank still wants to go with Willie. Is Willie going to be in goal tomorrow? And if he is what does this mean for Kepa and what is your view on the entire situation uh disappointment is my view on the situation I I don't like 
dissing anybody that pulls on a Chelsea shirt. So it's quite difficult to actually say what I really feel. Caballero is a guy who is decent as a backup. He is not a first-choice goalkeeper. And I think, and this was part of the thing about me slumping my shoulders, when I saw the team on Monday, I was absolutely horrified. I was appreciative of him being dropped against Leicester. I didn't like it, but I understood the reason he had, you know, he had yet another less than sparkling performance behind him and uh, obviously Frank was concerned so take him out the firing line as you say we had a two-week break and I was convinced that that was just going to be to freshen him up you know and all the rest of it you're playing in a really really important game and you tie one hand behind your back I I don't get it I really don't I, I you you play your strongest team and an out of form Kepper is still better than and inform Willie, and I, you know, I, I don't like slagging Willie off, but the second goal we conceded against Leicester was exactly the sort of reason why he shouldn't be anywhere near it. I, I, I just find in terms it, of commanding his eighteen-yard box or coming no, for in, term, in terms of lack of judgment. I think you know, in some respects, Willie commands his area better than Kepper does. You know, he comes for crosses. Uh, he he sort of is more commanding, but he has got a ricket in him. Now, everybody can say that, that Kepper's got a ricket because we wouldn't be where we were if he hadn't made rickets. But I don't think that you can't actually point... You can look at shots that he's conceded and say maybe another goalkeeper would have saved it, but they're not actually mistakes. I mean, there's. I don't think he's done anything um, to to justify what what's happening. And I, I will be... I, absolutely horrified if he's not playing tomorrow if he's not playing tomorrow that's it he's gone I actually felt that on Monday I actually felt on Monday that he's gone so I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play tomorrow um, because I think that it's obviously not just a, a, a slap on the wrist or uh, like get back into form but I just I I think and I, I said this and I, I I would much rather that if, if I'd much rather have a kid in goal than Willie because if you've got a kid, if you've got the under-21 keeper in there... With Jamie Cummings. Yep, yeah. And you basically think, well, if he's going to make the rickets, he's learning. And and he's got years ahead of him. Um, Willie's... An old dog. An old dog. <laughs> yeah. And Willie, Willie ain't going to get any better. And Willie, you know, Willie is not a dreadful goalkeeper. I'm not saying that, but he's got something in him that I just don't... I don't trust. And, and, and the one thing that... I think this causes, and we've said this on this show before, and the reason why our defence is not as it should be is because we keep chopping and changing. We keep chopping and changing the back four, although Frank has tried to be consistent over the last couple of months. So he's got a back four that he now likes, and now he's changed the goalkeeper. You know, goalkeepers have to to trust the defence, and defence has to trust the goalkeeper. It's a, it's a dual thing, and I and I can't see that we're doing anything else than than sort of giving ourselves a handicap before we've even started. I'm flabbergasted, to be honest. I'm with you on this one. I think that often in these scenarios, you can give a player some time, time away, and that would have been the best thing to have done with Kepper had you not had the winter break. If the winter break wasn't there, the best thing that Frank could have maybe said was like, look, just just get yourself away. Get yourself away from the training ground, from the people, from the Premier League. Just go away for a week and just relax and get your focus back. back. Much like has been done with a lot of decent keepers over the years. Sir Alex Ferguson did it with Peter Schmeichel in, in Manchester United's treble season. You know, said just go away. Made a couple of mistakes. Go away. He came back and was influential in United mm-hmm. winning the treble that season. But 
to have the two weeks and to then not play him, I agree with you. I think that is pretty much it. He's clearly not a fan of him. I mentioned Petacek earlier. I can't believe that, you know, Petacek hasn't been in his ear saying, you've got to play him. But then that suggests that Czech doesn't rate him at all. The issue here, and I know that Marina's come out this week, hasn't she, and, and voiced a bit of discontent about the whole situation. Of course, she was influential in bringing Kepper into the club from Athletic Bilbao. But his value, and maybe this isn't an issue, but you'd like to think Chelsea, a business model, his value is plummeting game by game. And if it was just one game, it wouldn't have made a difference. But now he's missed two. If he misses tomorrow, you are talking, you know, £5 million, £10 million being slashed off his value yeah. every time he plays because if you then go to sell Kepper the world record fee for a goalkeeper and say well no you know he cost us a world record fee everyone will say well alright you haven't been playing him for the rest of the season so he can't be that good so from a business perspective this is potentially catastrophic for the club absolutely because we are running on a on a business model now you know the, <clears throat> the days of free spending are, you know, are long gone so you know the fact that he's now I mean you say in real terms he cost us 30 was it 35 million yeah. you, you trade off the Courtois money right you know um it's a difficult one. I mean, he's as, as Clayton was saying, he hasn't made any rickets. He hasn't like let soft goals in. I mean, you know, people talk about you know his wrist strength possibly for a couple of chances. But like, you look at the Newcastle goal. I mean, free header, no, none of the centre backs. Free, to... free header from six yards yeah, out, and not many keepers save that. The reaction time is minimal. Yeah. Uh, but then you think, well, why a commanding centre half wants to win the ball? The goal we conceded, um, Everton, Richarlison, free header. Between, no, between Christian, the two no, yeah. centre-halves. Christian, uh, you know, I've got a lot of time for Christensen. My biggest issue is I don't think he's physically strong enough for the Premier League. He gets bullied. I remember Calvert-Lewin charging into him towards the end of the game. He just went down like a sack of spuds. You know, he's... he's in, but in but th- he has actually reacted, because if you remember, he, he then played... We've played Burnley the following yeah. week, and he had that huge tussle with uh, Woods. Woods, yeah. Uh, so. But I, I still think generally he's in, in a three... As a free man, I think he's great because he's got really good technical yeah. abilities. I mean, I mean, you know, if Pizchek is saying to Frank, "You got to pay Kepper," but Kepper, Frank saying, "No, this is my team. I pick who I want." That is a positive change from the club, given you know previous regimes when players have potentially been told you must play him. So Frank is, you know, got carte blanche to say, "Right, my team, my players. I don't want him." Then you know, if they get a stick with him long term, that's only got to be a positive. Well, we'll find out, won't we, at half 12 tomorrow afternoon. Cannot, cannot wait for this one. We're going to talk a bit more about the game a bit later on. But, gents, N'Golo Kante, some more news from him. A hip abductor, I believe it is. He's out for three weeks. Interesting that they've given a time frame. Often clubs might say he's out for a period of time, or in the case of Human Son at Spurs, a number of weeks, because you don't want to give fans that expectation. Because if he doesn't return now after three weeks, it's, oh, what's wrong with Kante? Has he been rushed back in training and now he's had a you know recurrence of the injury? Or why did you tell us three weeks and it's not going to be three weeks? However, it is three weeks is what we're led to believe. Are you concerned about Kante being out? Because he's not had the impact, I suppose, this season that he has in recent campaigns. Or has he, from a Chelsea perspective? No, he hasn't. I, 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 I don't like where we play him. To be perfectly honest, I think on the basis of our defence and how we've defended, I want him to go back to where he was, which isn't possible with Jorginho no. um, there as well and Kovacic. I mean, it, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we've got these three guys who all virtually do the same thing, and we're sort of trying to put them all in the same. Yeah. Same place, yeah, yeah and, I, and I don't think that's very helpful. Um, I I mean, if if it was me, I know that some people have said, oh, he's, he's 28, 29? 29, 29 yeah. yeah. Cash in on him, really? I, 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 would, I, would, I would, basically, I'd get rid of Jorginho 
hundred times quicker than I'd get rid of Kante. Would and you I, really? I do, and I don't mean that. In, well, it's, obviously, I do mean it. <laughs> I, I don't mean it in a derogatory sense because I think Jorginho's been one of our better players this season. But I actually think that Kante is a better player. Um, at, at the base, with, alongside the ba- the Kovacic. Because Kovacic, Kovacic is, is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing about, and I said this on, on Monday night, Kovacic started that game. Abs- he was absolutely brilliant for about an hour. Mm. And then... He's there's obviously something I don't think he's got the engine, yeah. but but I don't know whether part of that was just that when you play in a midfield and you know that nobody can score ahead of you, maybe maybe the confidence. I know we didn't stop and we didn't try and all the rest of it, but there was something. It was, it was like, how can you be that good for an hour and then just turn into I don't know, just a pub yeah, player, maybe, which, which he wasn't. I, I just, uh, yeah, I Kante, I would, I would pick every single time, but not where he's playing. I know that Frank's carried on the work of our former manager. Well, that 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 may be the issue because I think he was rushed back for Europa League final, nowhere near fit enough. I think this has had a, maybe an impact on why he's had so many muscle injuries this season because I don't think probably should have played in that game, but you know, knees must and what have you. And now he's had. Also, I think it's the first time in his career he's had a real run of injuries because you know, Leicester, the yeah. first couple is at Chelsea, he's almost never yeah. present. So maybe he, just, maybe he just needs a rest and three weeks is a resting time and he'll be back for, what, middle of March? It is incredible when you look at how good he was for Leicester mm. and then obviously successive Premier League titles and then a World Cup winner in the position that everybody saw him producing performances in week in, week out. Yet two managers now in a row have played him out of that position that's where you look from a fan's perspective and think are we are we getting this wrong like how can we all see it but the guys who work with him day in day out are seeing something completely different I think I think Frank really um, likes Jorginho's leadership on the pitch because we are not a team of leaders we really aren't I mean you can see that the the sort of it Quiet. Um, we're a quiet team. We don't see. Yeah, we don't. You know. I, mean, I mean, one of the other things that basically we we said on Monday was, you know, we we need a couple of real nasty bits of work in that side. And you look around, and everybody's a smiley, happy guy, and nobody leaves their foot in. And the only person yeah. who leaves their foot in is Mason Mount, um, the much maligned Mason oh, yeah. Mount, which just gets my goat. I mean, we look so much better whenever he plays. I really. I mean. You know, he might be struggling for form at the moment. I don't think he is. Put in a pretty good cross yeah. for uh, for um, Giroud. Giroud's goal. Nearly scored with a free kick as well, didn't yeah. he? Nearly caught De Gea on well, the hop. Well, we've got like 100 games out of red card. Speaks volumes. Absolutely you know, ridiculous. 100 games out of red card. I mean, not advocating, you know, getting red cards, but he spent five or six in that kind of time frame, but... Yeah, you were. We're going to get more on to Mason Mount and the much maligned, the MMMM, like that. It's a brand. Uh, here on the, <laughs> the chocolates are available. Yeah. <laughs> here on the Chelsea Fan Show. Like I said, we'll look ahead to that game with Spurs too. That's all coming next. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. 
inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved blue boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. Chelsea Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle and the guys from the Chelsea Fancast, Dan Silva and Clayton Beerman. We're going to get to looking at the game between Spurs and Chelsea next. And before I get on to the point, Clayton Beerman has his hand in the air. He is desperate to make a point. Well, actually, um, our leader, Lord Chidge of Chidgeness, has basically said, shame we let Bulka go, look the most promising young keeper we've had in years. Now, the thing with Bulka is that because we signed Kepper on a seven-year deal, he couldn't actually see a way in to the first team, which is why he left and he went to PSG, where I don't think he's had much uh, he's, game time. He's behind, still behind uh, yeah. uh, Ari- is Ariola, I think they keep yeah. and, and it is a shame because he does, or did, look really good. I don't know whether we did anything clever like put a buyback clause but I'm not sure we did because I think he ran down his contract yeah, so I, think I, don't, was... I don't think we, we managed to do anything but yeah he would have been a good option at the moment he, he really would have been anyway I digress no 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 you make a great point and I actually it's part of the issue isn't it and we won't dwell on this too much because we've spoken about it a lot but it's the recruitment I think that Chelsea neglected with regards to the goalkeepers we see now in the Premier League even in the Championship you look at West Brom for example three strong goalkeepers mm. and Chelsea just don't have that even mm. if you pick your your traditional pro like is what, what Manchester United and Manchester City did you know with Lee Grant and yeah. Scott Carson respectively they brought in a, a player there Liverpool brought in Andrew Lonergan you know a, a, yeah. a decent season pro in the Football League but someone that they can rely on to you know if needs must but you could argue that Willie is that person yeah but that's only one yeah. and the problem is you also have a strong number two. Sergio Romero will never really be Manchester United's number one, but, but he's, he's still a, a good, very decent a goalkeeper, really goalkeeper who can yeah. keep yeah. David De Gea on his toes. Yeah. You know, and and Adrian, I know that Alisson is the world's best goalkeeper. He's up there as as a contender, but Adrian is still a very good yeah. number two. Very I think, capable. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Caballero is, has ever been pressing Kepa for the number one spot, yeah. which is why Kepa's performances potentially have fallen backwards. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's symptomatic of our season. You know, not you know, going from front to back. You know, you, you know, say problems with Kepper, Mason Mount, which we'll come on to in a minute, and you know, Mishis. There are there are issues all over the, the yeah. team that need addressing. We will get on to Mason Mount, but I just want to very quickly touch on a bit of news as well that's come out from the club. I think today, gents, and that is the April fixtures on TV. All been changed. 
Yep. So you've got West Ham, Watford, Palace and Sheffield United. They've all been moved to accommodate TV. Is this just the life of a Chelsea fan just, that you have to deal with? Just used to it. I mean, it's been <clears throat> it's been like that for so long now. It's kind of, you know, at least they've got them out almost on time for a change, which makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it... Sorry. I was going to say, because they've been notoriously bad about getting the um, fixtures out on, on time. And Tim Rolls, who's part of the Supporters Trust, has been campaigning for ages to make sure that if they're going to come out on an X date, they come out on the X date so people can make plans and so on and so forth and not suddenly have to pay, you know, enhanced travel fare and so on and so forth. So it, it isn't... It's, it's a cash cow, you know. They, you know, Premier League have given us all this money. We've seen all these amazing players, and you know, the trade off is supporters. And this could be a whole other show about, you know, do the Premier League actually care about fans? Mm. Let's well, not get well. well okay, yeah. we can if you no, want. I, no, but they don't. The, you know, that that's part of the bigger thing that we didn't even touch on on VAR. That the, the the actual match going, put your hand in your pocket, paying the the money to go through the door, are the last people that know what the hell's going on with VAR. We yeah. had no idea on Monday when they said it was like red card being, you know, when it came up on the screen, red card, potential red card incident. It's like, what? Mm. Who? What? Yeah. What happened? And it was just, I, yeah. But I, the, the people I feel sorry for are, are the away, are the guys who oh, yeah. go to the away games. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, you get moved to a Sunday night and you're playing up in Sheffield. the northeast or whatever and there's no trains going back. It's it's a it's pretty much a disgrace, and as much as the the fan supporters have their forums with the TV companies, the TV companies go, yep, no, completely understand, and then don't do anything about it. The big thing as well about these particular fixtures is that they're all subject to participation in the Champions League and the FA Cup, so they could all change yet again. So we'll find out on those ones as and when they happen. But, gents, we were speaking about Mason Mount. We're going to get on to him finally because, Clayton, you described him as the much maligned Mason Mount. Mm. Go on. Perhaps it's just social media, but I did perceive a certain groany um, response to a couple of things that he did wrong on Monday. From my perspective, I think when he's in the side, we're a better team. I, he, he basically does a lot of the dirty work that people don't notice. Um, at the beginning of the season, he was on fire, like a lot of them were on fire, and he's a young player. It's his first full season in the Premier League, and if people can't give him a bit of slack, I think they're missing it. I mean, the, 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 the only thing for me, the only sort of solace is the fact that both Frank and Jody rate him. And they play him. Um, I don't like it when he's on the bench when they try and accommodate the Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante because I just don't think it works and I think we miss something. Um, I just... I People on social media, you know, the, the sort of 12-year-old keyboard warriors who start having a go at, at Mason Mount, which is why I think he's the much maligned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Twitter managers are probably the, you know, the lowest... You know, comp, you know, lowest form of intelligence. I mean, it makes him out first season in Premier League. He's done very well. Twenty-one yeah. years old as well. Let's we forget. In a, a struggle, in a arguably a struggling team, he's he's, he's more than held yeah. his you know head up, and I think he's done very well. You know, we're not going to get you know Ronaldo like Messi like assists week in week out because he's nowhere near that level. You know, people just you know see these stats he's done this he's done that and Messi at this age he's done that so they're completely different players you know it's chalk and cheese just have have some perspective of what he's done you know he's had a good loan at the test good season at Derby County it's a progression and hopefully next season we'll see a much better much more rounded Cap- player caps for his country scored yeah. for his country in his first season in the Premier League you know, you know. And, and sort of 
We've had players like Tamori. He's been taken out the firing line. Um, I wonder why. I'm quite interested to know why he's not. He's not injured. And he's not getting a look. And the same with Zoom. Both seem to have been marginalised in the last. Well, I, I, I sort of read. I can't remember where that that they don't think that Tamori can play with Rudiger as well with Rudiger yeah. as the others. And Rudiger is seen as the number one because well, he's the most senior yeah. and experienced. I mean, yeah. he he he's the one who has got a bit of gumption about him you quite often see him gesticulating yeah. getting angry and he, he doesn't like losing or conceding goals so that is maybe why he's you know playing mm. on the in the team well before we get on to the proper Spurs preview gents we have to I guess understand it's not been easy for Frank Lampard either I know that the the record the recent record speaks for itself it's 15 points from the last 14 league games yes that lead over Spurs I think it was 12 points is now down to one but Angola Conte out for three weeks now you've seen the problems with Callum Hudson-Odoi this season Ruben Loftus-Cheek of course is going to be in the squad whether he'll be on the bench tomorrow is another matter altogether we've seen uh, Christian Pulisic of course he's out as well Antonio Rudiger was out for long spells before the new year and I think Andres Gra- Andreas Christensen will be wearing a mask yeah. tomorrow classic uh, Fernando Torres has done that I think Rudiger has done it as well hasn't uh, he worn a mask we have got a whole host Diego Costa Azbilicueta um, Belletti Belletti could be a mask 11 yeah. yeah we have got Denver Bar oh yeah of course yeah We've got a, we have got a lot of mass players. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've, we're keeping this clinic in Milan. In Chelsea, Chelsea Lone Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason for that slump in form is is one or another. But I think the the injuries that have racked up, and like I said, the players that have been in and out of the side, Mason Mount being one of them, is just part of the reason why this has been a difficult period for the club and for Frank. It's been a difficult period because we haven't scored enough goals. We haven't. You know, Frank says we create a lot of chances, but in terms of clear-cut chances, I think those numbers are quite low. We've had a point where we just haven't been able to put teams to bed. We don't score first. We're not going to win a match, generally. Because have we come from behind to win a game this season? Yeah, once. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it, oh, it, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, that would be it. yeah. But we just if we let if we concede a goal, our fear is pretty much like under Sarri last season. If we concede a goal, we're just not going to be able to get back into the match. Mm. Because you know, we haven't got a prolific enough goal scorer, and Tammy's gone off the board a little bit, you know, second half of the season again. But you expect that because he's young and he's been the main focal point all season. He's barely had, barely had a rest. He's been yeah. injured. I, I'm going to throw this out there. I think one of the major reasons why we've been in, in a slump is um, Pulisic. Yeah, because I think the one thing that we have missed, obviously, the main thing we've missed this year has been Eden Hazard and you need that player who does something a little bit different. And we haven't got it. Callum has not had a, a great season, but numerous reasons, not not least of which he's come back from a horrendous injury. And he's 18 years old, and everybody's said, well, if Bayern are going to buy him, then he should be much better than he is. Well, you're not looking at reality. Yeah. You've got, you know... In an ideal world, I don't think... I mean, I think Frank would have played him more sparingly once he came back from his injury if Pulisic was was fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we haven't added to our squad, so I don't know whether that's the players have played too much, but I, I know that when this happened regularly with um, Mr Wenger, we basically laughed and said, ha, 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 it must be down to what you do in training. And you have to actually wonder whether a lot of our injuries are down to the way we're training. And they're all muscle injuries as well, aren't yeah. they? So maybe that's something that has to be looked at. 
Okay, well, we're going to get on to the big game next here on the Chelsea Fan Show. The key stat, the big stat, the one that we all want to believe is that Chelsea have won more Premier League games against Spurs than any other team. So, gents, the Omens are good. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Chelsea Fan Show, and the time is to get on to the big game tomorrow. 12.30 p.m. gents. It's the lunchtime kickoff. I think it's one, two, drawn two and lost one, I think, in the record for Chelsea in terms of lunchtime kickoffs this season. But tomorrow, it is the big one. Jose Mourinho returning to his old club. The narrative's sort of done now, isn't it, with Jose? Or now he's manager of Spurs. Has it been ramped up again because he's just, what, one point adrift off the Blues? I don't know with Jose. I think he's burnt his bridges. It's always been about Jose. Nobody else, you know, he's very he's very charismatic, very charming, but ultimately it's about Joe. So he says what he wants to say. And apparently he's come out today and said if he gets Spurs into the top four with all the injuries, this will be his greatest ever achievement. So, you know, he's, he's, he says what people want to hear. He's a showman, but, you know, well, I think most Chelsea fans will probably say, listen, grateful for everything he's done for us. You know, gave us some fantastic memories. But now he's like, no, it's been a bit tainted, I'd say. A little bit tainted, just from his histrionics post, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, post Madrid and... Sorry, no, Percy United, sorry. So in terms of his effect on Spurs, Clayton, is this something you would have expected? Do you think that it's slightly lucky? Do you think he deserves to be where he is? And we're now hearing, of course, that if Spurs get into the top four, if he guides Spurs to the top four this season, it will be his greatest ever achievement. They are decimated by injuries up top. Of course, Harry Kane out, Son Heung-min is out too. I mean... We we saw in the week, didn't didn't we, that you know he, he instantly brought on that siege mentality. He said everybody's dead now as well. Bergvine's dead. Lucas Moore is dead. We're really in trouble. Personally, I think that's a terrible thing to put out to the world, and I don't know how that translates to your players. But he's going to come to Chelsea with the classic Jose siege mentality we're all used to, and all pretty bored of, to be honest. So, Clayton <laughs> <laughs> doesn't agree with me. Here. <laughs> oh, are you are you a Jose fan still? I lo- I love Jose for what he did to the club uh, and to say that I was devastated that he went there um, is an understatement. Um, I didn't mind when, obviously, if he was abroad. I mean, we sacked him, so ultimately he can go where he wants. When when we sacked him the first time, it it was akin to losing my first love. You know, when when you wake up in the morning and, and you can't sort of satisfy yourself that why your girlfriend doesn't want to be with you anymore. I, it was it was that gut wrenching feeling. No, no idea what that feels like to be honest. No, it, it, of ruined, course, my, uh, it ruined, a, ruined my birthday. A handsome young man like you, well, you'd never you'd never experience that. Anyway, swiftly moving on. Um, when he even when he went to Manchester United, I I, I wasn't um, I wasn't too perturbed. But when he went there, I just thought, oh no, anywhere but there. And he's going to say what what Dan said. You know, he's going to say what people want him to say. And ultimately, I just don't listen to him anymore. I, I I used to really love it listening to him because you could see the the first year happy, the second year frustrated, the third year I'm off, and it's been a pattern everywhere he's gone. And the the one thing that frustrated me more than anything else, and you've just said it, it will be my greatest achievement. Well, won't mm. it be Tottenham's greatest yeah. achievement? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my greatest achievement. I, I would imagine that Porto fans would be a bit 
peeved with Inter that Milan statement. With the treble. You yeah. know, um, and Chelsea fans, when he came in and won the league back to back, that that's a pretty good achievement. You know, it did, didn't he also say that that coming second um, behind Manchester City um, was his one great, of his greatest yeah, achievements? He came out with another classic this week, you know, when, when he was asked about Man City and he said, oh, um, what's going to happen with the title for that year? Which, of course, was two years after the, the Man City offences, but it didn't actually fit well with his narrative. Yeah. I mean, I won't boo him. Oh, no, never boo him. I you mean, know, I think... But plenty will tomorrow. Yeah, but, Plenty you know, will well, and think... he'll get it, you know, and he'll come out with his three fingers like he did yeah. with Manchester United. I mean... The fact is that for the majority of Chelsea fans, certainly that I know, it's the biggest game of the season. Yeah, it's first. It's the first one I look for on the fixture list. Mm-hmm. It's the game I hate to lose more than any other. I just I'm inconsolable um, if if we lose yeah. to them. Um, but I think tomorrow you got two bald men fighting over a comb. I mean, it's just you, you know you've got no strikers, and it's just. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow. I mean, if he does park the bus, I mean, we 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 can't, you know, when when people put a mini bus, we can't get around yeah, it at yeah. the moment. So it's not and I mean, a twelve thirty kickoff, and they're normally sterile, aren't they? So. Yeah, I mean, you could park a bicycle and wouldn't get around it. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned the record, of course. You've beaten Spurs more than any other team in the Premier League. You've also lost just one of thirty-three home games against Spurs know, in all was... competitions. Quiz. We always do a quiz, don't we? Do you yeah. remember which one? It was? I'm sure you do. What? Remember which which game it was? The the the, the one that you've lost in those 33 well, games. Well, there's two. There's the first one was Lineker, 89-2-1 last minute. Well, then we lost 3-1 under Conte season two and Dale Alley got two goals. He did, yeah. 1st yeah. of April, April Fool's Day. That I was, expected nothing I less from you, Ben Silva. I, I was on a plane. I was flying back from somewhere. and uh, yeah. That was just horrendous. I mean, that was such an amazing... Most of my life, we hadn't lost a home Guess who was in goal that day? For Chelsea. Willie Caballero. It was, yeah. I he mean, was. in fairness, he wasn't at fault for any of the goals. Ericsson's? That was a great shot. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly, but that was a, that was probably one of the worst moments of a Chelsea supporter. After nearly 30 years of your life, you lose at home to Tottenham when it was, a, you know, we had so many amazing games. Like, I remember the Willie Gallus last minute winner when it was after Osgood had died. Yeah. yeah. Some incredible record against them. Even going back to White Hot Lane, I think it went so long and then I think McAlealy scored a world and we thought, yeah, this game's in the bag and then... I remember, I remember being at White Hot Lane and we lost one nil. Nico Clausen scored in like yeah eighty three. Some, yeah, yeah some really, and yeah. then we didn't lose for nineteen years. Incredible. Yeah. Three three point lane. It was called just three point lane. Yeah. Do you remember the nineteen ninety one? The February yeah, nineteen ninety one. I was there. Well, yeah. yeah. Linica scored in the last minute, I think, from mm. about three yards out. I tell you who else scored that. David Howell scored he that did. day, yeah. and Gaza should have been sent off because I think he. Yeah, I remember him distinctly elbowing John Bumstead. I can't. I can't remember, but all I remember was it was a fairly, you know, regular occurrence that we'd lose. Yeah. Okay, gents. Well, look. In terms of the home form, I, I mean, what I read earlier, sixteen of the forty-three Premier League goals that Chelsea scored this season, only sixteen have come at Stamford Bridge. I guess. Listen. How do you think he's going to line up? How do you think it's going to go? Are we going to see a defeat? Must we see a defeat? Is this imperative for Chelsea season for Frank Lampard's future as a Chelsea manager that he gets a win tomorrow against Spurs? I think it's a game we we can't we can't lose. You know, I think Jose's view is, you know, he's got to the point of us, and if it remains a point after 19 minutes, he's going to be happy because uh, you know he's got other games to try and claw back. But dropping back to four points again, it's a, 
it's it's a two it's a two win to to turn it around. So I think it's a game neither neither will lose. Jersey's going to come. I think he's going to play very defensively, try and catch on the break. I think we'll, he'll do you know a, a, a four five one sit back like like you remember when part of the bus when Spurs came was nil nil a few years ago under Mourinho. He'll park the bus, and we have to try and learn to break him down. We need to, we need to get an early goal, and then change the dynamic like we did United a couple of years ago. And we scored after thirty seconds and turn the game around. I think it's going to be really, really dull, turgid, <laughs> nil-nil. I just can't see anything else. I just think we're, we're, at the moment, low in confidence. We're going to struggle to break down a very well-drilled, well-set-up Mourinho team. And I think it's going to be dull as dishwater. I think it's going to be a story of the midfield, to be honest with you. You're going to see a packed Spurs midfield because of necessity. And arguably the same for Chelsea, I suppose, Clayton. We don't know what's going to happen with Tammy. You said 70% fit. I think it will be a miracle if he starts up front he, tomorrow. He, he won't start him. He'll start Giroud up front tomorrow. And I think they'll basically try and get crosses in from Reese James. Uh, because I think that that's the way it's going to go. I think it's important that we don't lose tomorrow because I think Tuesday's going to be ugly at home to Bayern. And to lose to Man United, Tottenham and Bayern in the space of eight days is not something... Um, it's very spursy. Yeah. It is indeed. Okay, gents, it has been great having you on for another hour here on the Chelsea Fan Show. Like you said, it spurs up tomorrow by Munich on Tuesday. We're going to be back with all the reaction on those two games next week, 7pm here on Love Sport Chelsea Fan Show. We'll see you then. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.